Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. All right, everyone, welcome to another Faith Seeking Understanding. I am Alan Bevere, your host. I am a pastor, retired, a professor, a Bible moth, a theologian, an exile, and a peddler of hope. And I am the self-appointed Anselm of Canterbury Chair, Anselm of Canterbury Chair of Podcast Theology and Culture at Faith Seeking Understanding University, a made-up institution of higher learning where all seekers are invited to ponder profound things free of charge. And Dr. Pidge Bannon, welcome again. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is. It's good to be with you. And this is our last, last episode podcast. of Bonhoeffer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been a great it's journey. It's been a fun journey it with really Bonhoeffer. Has. Yeah. And, uh, but now we must do this in part ways. I know. Yeah, they so. get their credits. D- d- yeah, they get their credits. D- <laughs> They're all happy. Dietrich, we hardly knew you. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk Bonhoeff. So what I want to do today is I want to talk uh, two things. First, I want to say what Bonhoeffer himself. What the, what does he what does he give us? You know what? How does he help us think about living the Christian life? Mm, and then I also want to think about what 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 theological contributions yeah. uh, does he make? So, and there's always that question of you know had he lived, what would have been different? I don't think we could spend a whole lot of time on that, and I'm not so sure that's a good way to go, but we could ask some questions about that. But so, so the first thing I want to say is that, uh, I, and I'm going back all the way to the beginning of our podcast, the one thing that Bonhoeffer, uh, I think, encourages us, I don't, and I don't, know if you can, I don't know if you can develop this or not, but I just think of Bonhoeffer's curiosity. Mm. And he was so curious, yes. even as a boy, yes, and curious about so many things. And the curiosity was encouraged in his household, yes. And and so he was curious not only about God, he was curious about creation, curious about all kinds of things, yes. And the the Bonhoeffer encourages us to ask questions. This matters to me because I think a lot of us in the church were raised in a context, I can't speak for anyone else, raised in a context where some questions were just discouraged. Yes, they were right? taboo. They were taboo. And I would get, I would ask questions and I would get, well, just pray about it, Wait, right? I mean, and I'm all for praying about it, but that didn't help, really. I mean, seriously. You know, there's just certain things. And I think, by the way, it comes from it's probably stemmed from that there are people in the church, even people who leave the church, don't know the answers themselves. Well, there's that, and I think that there's a lot of very uncomfortable scriptures. Oh, you there know, are a lot of we talk. There's so many things that are written yeah. in there that are, I mean, how do you explain this God who says, "Yes, go to war, take all the spoils, take all the spoils, kill everybody there," yeah. and then the other one who goes to the cross, yeah, 
for us yeah. and dies for us and says love love yeah. one another. How do you explain those yeah. two? So um, I think we have, and I think again, I'll just speak for my context. I grew up in a context where we were always we were always having to smooth scripture over. Yeah, we were having to to brush it, rub out all the kinks. Because those things made us uncomfortable. Yes. We had to have scripture the way it was. You know, there was supposed to be, there had to be a reason and you, everything had to be explained. And I, I mean, I have come to say, I get in trouble sometimes when I say this, but with other people, but scripture's a mess. Yeah. And by the way, you know why it's a mess? Because God, God gave it to us in the midst of the mess of humanity. Yes. I mean, if, if humanity is a mess, and God is working in humanity, working in Israel in the Old Testament, working in church in the New Testament. Why are we surprised that the story's a mess? Yes. And why are we surprised that there are tensions and that there yes. are difficulties? Yes. And Bonhoeffer encourages us to, you know, move head on into that mm -hmm. and raise the questions. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just a big fan of his curiosity. I just, I and I think too. he encourages us to ask questions. And I and I think we should ask them. And uh, for Bonhoeffer, I, I think for Bonhoeffer, God can handle the questions. Oh, absolutely! Right. I love the Psalms. I love the Lament Psalms, yeah. because the Psalm, the Lament Psalms are not afraid to tell God what they're thinking. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was taught to pray, be reverent, and all of that, and I understand that. But you know, it's pretty it's pretty interesting when you're a boy who's taught to be reverent in your prayer. Prayers, and then you're reading some of the psalms and going, "Oh my gosh, this psalmist <laughs> is really, <laughs> really ticked off with God." Right? They're not right? reverent, right? Right, and so um, yeah, so the curiosity. Even wrestling with an angel, and you know, what I mean, there's wrestling just, with an angel. There's yeah. stuff that is just like, yeah. wow. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and I could see myself doing that. Wrestling with the angel. Yeah, and well, and just not letting him go. It's like I'm not giving up until you. Yeah. You know, you give up, right? Yeah. You woke me up in the middle of the night. I'm getting something out of this buster. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Um, anything? What do you think about? Does anything Bonhoeffer for you? Well, I the curiosity is is definitely. I'm I'm an adult educator, so yeah. My whole thing is about adults who learn. I see so often where um, adults just kind of come in and they get into a habit, and it just and nothing, nothing is special anymore. Nothing yeah. is exciting. Nothing. It's just droning on, yeah. living day by day by day, and it's so excruciatingly yeah. painful to watch that. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ever be that way. I yeah. never want to be that way, and yeah. I always, um, even before I was a Christian, it was just like life is too much fun yeah and it's I mean yes it's painful yeah but there's a part of life that is just absolutely beautiful and it's yeah. fun so why not engage yeah. in it yeah. um, and I think that's what Bonhoeffer is is yeah. a lot a lot yeah. of what he's like he engages in a different way I think his his um, brain <laughs> operates in a way that is just phenomenal to yeah. me. I mean, yeah. The way he thinks and the way he processes and the way he, you know, 
he's pretty amazing. Yeah. I just have a lot of, yeah. I have so much respect for him. I mean, yeah. I had respect for the name before, but I yeah. had never dug into Bonhoeffer yeah. like I dug into during his class. Yeah. And he, he's so much of, I, he's, he's just a, a beautiful man. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's one of those that's just, yeah. what he has and what he carries and what he offered. Um, the way, the way he behaved in prison is yeah. just Amazing. blows me away. You know, I mean, that just, that blows me away. So, yeah, yeah I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, in a, in a yeah, way. and not only is he curious, but he's an adventurer. I mean, yeah. he's curious and he wants to do something about it. I mean, what can you say about a guy from Germany who wants to drive from New York to Texas <laughs> so he can see Mexico, borrow a friend's car, and he doesn't even know how to drive? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is... You know, this is a scene from a movie. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's wonderful. Yeah, I think another thing about Bonhoeffer again, and this this stands out so clearly, is his courage. Yes, just his courage, and it's not a it's not the courageous, it's not the self confident courageous. It's the it's the courage of someone who is does what he does because he believes he has no choice, mm-hmm. and that can be courage that's filled with doubt. At times he's not sure. He really would like to. He really would like to teach in New York. Mm-hmm. It's what he wants to do. But his and along with the courage is a sense of moral obligation. Mm-hmm. The moral obligation to go back to Germany. And so, you know, we talk about people having the courage of their convictions. He's got certain convictions about what he should do, and he has the courage to follow through with it. I, I think, I think his his courage is just boy, hard to compare him. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's interesting because a lot of times you think of those who have courage are very boisterous leaders, right? You know, um, maybe full of themselves, yeah, you know, yeah. a little too much. But I see. A, uh, a humility in his yeah. courage. Yes, I that, agree. Um, it's just he's a rock, and you're not going to move him. If yeah. he thinks, if he's made a decision and come to grips with something that he feels like is right, yeah, you're you're not going to move that rock. It's just yeah. it's immovable. Yeah, and he he makes the decision to do what he needs to do. He doesn't always he doesn't always make it without lots of reservations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also saw him as a a, a shepherd. I mean, even from day one when he was yeah. younger, he was taking care of his of yeah. his sister. You know, making sure yeah. that his sisters had what yeah. they needed, and you know, yeah. I, he just took care of everybody. Yeah. And he's a young, young pastor. Yes. He's, he's teaching these other pastors yes. at the underground seminary. And that they're, they're, you know, he's, in, in many ways, he's a contemporary of theirs in reference mm-hmm. to age. And yet they're looking to him for wisdom. So he seems to have, he seems to have a kind of innate wisdom. I don't know if that's even, if that makes sense. But he, he sort of has an innate wisdom mm-hmm. in him that, that even people almost a are, gift. It's a gift, yeah. People look to him uh, to offer, to offer, and so. And he offers. And he offers it. Yeah. He offers it. He's willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, 
Gee, what else do I want to say about Bonhoeffer? What else do we want to say? <laughs> he's, he's, um, uh, well, he certainly, he certainly uh, cares for his family. Mm-hmm. And um, again, so much so that they're trying at the end to get him out of there and get him to escape, and he realizes that if he does, that's going to have repercussions on his family, so it's better for him to stay yes. in there. Yes. Them. So, um, it would have been interesting. It would have been interesting uh, if he had survived the war and gotten married and had kids with his kids. I alive. know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, um, so family uh, matters to him. Um, so I, I, I think again, uh, you know, to kind of let's make a shift into a little bit into the theology. Jesus is central to him. Uh, you 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 cannot you cannot miss the centrality of Jesus for for Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. The church becomes central, and this is one of these yes. you've mentioned uh, before. How you, you like seeing the shift he made as he got you know from his younger days to to the end, where is you know he grows up in a family that you know doesn't really go to church. Right. Um, it's it's the cultural thing, you know, kind of a thing, but he from the time he's young wants to go to church and he's got his sisters in tow with him but that even as a young man he does he doesn't seem to be in church a lot he doesn't go to church a lot um, but then over time you know becomes pastor in Spain mm-hmm. and you know the underground seminary and and community of faith becomes central it becomes central to him it's a mm-hmm. it's a um, kind of an evolution toward community and he he begin he has this robust understanding of the church but by the end of his life he's got this robust understanding of the church that he did not have when he was younger mm-hmm. um, and that his family would not have passed on to him right right another example of sometimes how you develop convictions that have very little to do with your upbringing mm-hmm. right because if you just look at his family if that was the main influence in reference to church, he'd be like them, you know, not going much, saying prayers at nighttime or at the dinner table. But but it, it doesn't just become it doesn't just become important enough for him to go regularly. It's important for him to write on it. Yeah. And to tell everybody else why it matters. Right. Why life together is a community of faith matters. Right. To be a Christian. So uh, he's a person who uh, I think helps us to understand the significance of church. Yeah, I agree. And, disi- and what discipleship is about. He, he doesn't think you can be a disciple without church, plain and simple. Right. Yeah. Well, and that can help how closely he ties the community into the community aspect of church into yeah. Yeah. his belief system. I mean, that yeah. that's just, that underground church was, that's that was just brilliant. Yes. I mean, that's just yes. a brilliant thing to do. Well, that's the other thing. Persistence. Should we talk about you know courage? I think he is just persistent. He yeah. doesn't give up. No. He Every time not. the Nazis try and shut something down, he's figuring he's out a way to do it. Out. I know. You is. know, we we close down. You know, we close the first place down where you are, and then next thing you know, they opened it up over here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's he he doesn't he doesn't you know. The Nazis, the Nazis uh, put the kibosh on something. He didn't say, "Well, that was a nice try." We, we you know, no. He goes and he, he continues to. He just won't give it up. Yeah. 
He's like a man on a mission, <laughs> right? He is, and even yeah. and that doesn't even stop when he gets when he actually finds out that he is going to be executed. Yeah, you know, he still has that sense of I'm not giving up. Yeah, you know, I'll yeah. take my last breath after I re- after I yeah. say a prayer or after I make a comment. Yeah. You know, I can't remember what he said, but there was something that he had prepared yeah. to say. So yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Um, another thing I like about Bonhoeffer is this religionless Christianity thing, which he didn't get mm. to develop. He mentions it in his letter, in, in his letters uh, in prison. But the idea again um, that that the mission of the church, Christians need to take the message outside of right. the walls of the building. This is what he means by religionless Christianity. Um, that. While the worship of the church and what the church does in the building is important, it can't stay in there. It's mm-hmm. got to move out. And there's a there's a worldly holiness mm. to Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. right? That that um, that holiness for Bonhoeffer is hands-on kind of mm-hmm. thing. There's a story. There's a story about Dorothy Sayer, right? The 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 Catholic uh, uh, worker who mm. who uh, was just did all kinds of things, and um, somebody said to her one day because, of course, in the Catholic Church you can become a saint, but you got to die first. I yeah, that's I right. I mean, there's different requirements to be <laughs> be a, a saint, but one of them is you have to be dead. Yeah, that's right. And someone came up to Dorothy, and someone people who were just enamored with Dorothy Sayers. She was quite the person. Uh, said to her, said to her one day, he says, well, you know, there are some of us here that really, really want you to be, to be given sainthood. Mm. And she looked at him and she said, you can't get rid of me that easily. <laughs> right? And, and what, <laughs> what Dorothy Sayer objected to is Dorothy Sayer you know, she thought, you know, we, we talk, when we think of people who are saints, like we think of saints, oh, he's a saint, she's a saint, we tend to think of people who are kind of above it all. Mm. And Dorothy Sayer thought that the real saints are the ones who are in the middle of it all. Yeah. Those are the saints. Like Mother Teresa. The, mother, the ones that are down in the dirt, the ones, the ones who are incarnational. That's what incarnation is. Yeah. God gets into the mess of humanity. Right. And so that the real saints are the people that are getting their hands dirty, yeah. doing mission and ministry. Bonhoeffer's understanding of holiness is that way. Yeah. Get into the mess. You know, uh, some churches are some churches are adverse to the mess. They want mm-hmm. to do what I like to call clean hands ministry. Right. You know, well, you know, you're not going to do a lot of ministry if you. But you know, they 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 kind of adverse to to. Well, you know, Jesus hanging out with the wrong people and spending time mm-hmm. with the people. Um, Bonhoeffer's sense of the holy is very worldly. Mm-hmm. Get in, get into, be there, be with the Jews. Um, you know, go to Harlem, be with the poor and the marginalized, and and just get into the stuff because that's what God did in Jesus. Get mm-hmm. into the mess. Right. So there's a there's a worldly holiness, a holy holy what's the way to say it a worldly holiness yeah. about Bonhoeffer he sees it in those terms yeah he does uh, and I think that's a that's a lesson for all of us too
two. Um, because sometimes we would prefer not to get into that mess. <laughs> I think a lot of times we prefer not to get in that mess. <laughs> uh, people, yeah, and and uh, people are a mess. So they are, and and you know, and it's it's hard dealing with the mess, and it's hard dealing with um, conflict, which yeah. I think is part of the mess as well. Yeah, you know? discipleship is for the courageous. Discipleship yeah. is for. I mean, you know, this is not. When Christ calls a man to go up on offer, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Bonhoeffer understands this. And so I think what Bonhoeffer would say is, if you want to follow Jesus, you know, you, you do have in the Gospels where Jesus says at one point, he says, count the cost. Right. You know, who sits down to build a building and doesn't count the cost? What general uh, goes to war before counting the cost? If you're going to follow me, count the cost. Right? Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't say... Follow me, and we'll figure it out later. Right, right. He says, "Count the cost," and and um, I think Dietrich would just say, "Discipleship is not for the faint of heart," mm -hmm. and consider it. Mm -hmm. So it's not usually the kind of message we are used to hearing. No, and I, I honestly, I don't think that any of his message is easy. You know, I don't think that it's an easy no, no, I agree. Thing to to be a Christian, and that's yeah. one of the things that I he emphasizes. Yeah, I think that he he says it is not, and he act he acts it out. I mean, he's not. Yeah, I think one of the things Bonhoeffer helps us to do is to hear Jesus once again in all of his scandal. Yeah. Because 2,000 years, you know, after 2,000 years of interpreting and reinterpreting and being in a certain context, we can take the scandal out of the gospel. Mm. I don't know if we do that intentionally, but we can. And so, you know, Jesus says, Jesus says certain things, and then we respond. Well, like I said a couple of weeks ago about the yeah, but principle of biblical interpretation. Right, right. You know, well, yeah, but does that really you know, what Jesus calls us to do. Right. Or, you know, we're always looking for a loophole. Bonhoeffer doesn't think Jesus gives us loopholes. I mean, maybe that's the way to say it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so Bonhoeffer helps us to hear the scandalous Jesus once again. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a blog post. I that to, is a I blog post. I have to post. write that down. I have to the blog on that. Yeah. The Bonhoeffer helps us to hear the scandalous Jesus once again. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. So. I've been doing a lot of um, reading about the 18, in the 1800s. Yeah. And um, the, uh, the, Positions, you know, the placement of society and how that interacted with society mm -hmm. and how that, and I, you know, and I see a lot of, a lot of that comes back. You were talking about in the church where we don't really want to hear that, that stuff. You yeah. Know, we don't want to hear the nitty gritty. Yeah. But it was the same in the upper echelon. Oh, know? yeah. They didn't, they wanted everything really pretty. So all the servants and everybody else did all this stuff to make everything pretty. But I don't want to hear about any of the stuff that goes on downstairs. I don't want to, yeah. you know, I don't want to see the kitchen. I don't want to see the, 
you know, you're cleaning the silver. I don't want to see. I just want the pretty silver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. want the I want the final prep of the yeah. meal in front of me. You yeah. know, and that kind of stuff. And yeah. I, I think that in some ways has been so inbred and mm-hmm. embedded in our culture that we have a very difficult time to break away, and we're still trying to break away yep. from that. Yeah. And yet, still trying to go to it as well. So there's still this clash. Yeah. Of what's right is it right to stay up there and, and make everybody pedal to my yeah my needs or you know are we doing this and are we all people are truly equal and all people do have a say and all people do have um a, a, we respect everybody's yeah. points of views and stuff yeah, like that so good point. so yeah that's a good point yeah yeah and you know we talk about how bonhoeffer just is very direct i think about too the one thing we've said about him is his ecumenical character, how he mm, loves worshiping. Mm-hmm. He loves Catholic worship in Italy uh, when he goes there. He's, he met the Pope. He met the Pope. He met yes. the Pope he and the was Pope. unimpressed. And was unimpressed. <laughs> yeah. um, well, with the way the Pope behaved uh, with Mussolini, he, uh, he probably read the Pope correctly, particularly that mm-hmm. Pope. Um, but he's with, he's with the black church in Harlem. He's, he's, and was very impressed. And was very impressed. <laughs> He's, he's got this ecumenical spirit, but at the same time, he's very critical of yes. the ecumenical movement. He is. You're doctrinally, this is a mainline problem. You know, we talked about evangelicalism. The mainliners, we mainliners, when it comes to ecumenism, we are doctrinally squishy. We, <laughs> squishy. We're squishy. We, we <laughs> want, that. we want, we don't want doctrine to get in the way of our unity. Well, can't we all just love Jesus, Right. I mean, it's okay. You mean you gotta insist on the Trinity? You gotta insist on a, this this view of sacraments? No, can't we just all love Jesus? Have one big ecumenical group hug? I'm I'm exaggerating now, but but um, but it's there. It's there. Can we just all be? And Bonhoeffer's like, you know, just like he was critical at Union Seminary of the of the doctrine there yes. or the lack of em- emphasis on doctrine. Right. Bonhoeffer knows that it's doctrine that gives coherence to the faith. Exactly. And and so he's critical of the ecumenical movement. He knows that the sentimental squishy unity isn't going to get the global church through tough times. Exactly. And so he's critical of it. And and um, you know, um, I had a I had a professor in seminary who said the ecumenical movement was a whole bunch of bishops trying to figure out how they could all be one church without a whole bunch of them losing their jobs. <laughs> a little cynical. Uh, yeah. but, and I, and I, listen, I believe in ecumenism. I'm big on the ecumenical movement, but I say you can't jettison what makes you you right. in order to have unity. Right. Yeah? So you got to do the hard work, Bonhoeffer would say. Right. you got to do the hard work right. of coming together and hammering that stuff out. Yeah. So he's very... He's got an ecumenical spirit about him, mm-hmm. but he is not. But his his, uh, his understanding of what it means to, to be ec- ecumenical is deep. Mm-hmm. It's profound. Yeah. yeah, and I think Bonhoeffer helps us with that. So, you heard it here, folks. Doctrinally squishy. Doctrinally squishy. <laughs> yeah, doctrine. Doctrine gives, gives <laughs> coherence to our faith. It really does. It uh, it helps us make sense. It it, it makes uh, doctrine to use an image. Uh, doctrine is the house in which the church lives, mm. and uh, yeah. we need it. Yep, we do. We need it. 
Now, I also believe there's a lot of room for conversation about doctrine. That's the way we move through the house. I agree. Right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, the purpose of, of sound doctrine, I'm, I'm a good Wesleyan. I'm not reformed. And, and that means, as, as a Wesleyan, I'm, doctrine isn't for the, good doctrine isn't for the purpose of hunting heretics. Mm. I leave that to my reformed sisters and brothers <laughs> who want to hunt heretics. I'm not interested in that. The purpose, uh, the purpose of, of sound doctrine is because it informs us how we live. Right. That's the important point. Right. That's what matters. So I'm more than willing to have some room for conversation. You know, I think of doctrine. I think of, since I'm a big baseball fan, I like the baseball diamond. You know, uh, the batter is up to the plate and hits the ball. And the batter, it's in play. There's a big field where it's in play. Right, mm-hmm. the foul lines, and if the batter hits it anywhere within the field of play, it's fair. It's but but, but there's this little territory on both sides that's foul. Yep. Right. So I don't have a narrow view of doctrinal conversation. I've got a big view. You can hit the ball. You can hit the doctrinal ball anywhere in the field. Right. But you can step over into foul territory, and that's what you got to watch for. Yeah. But I think it matters. So yeah, I think doc. Being doctrinally squishy is not a good thing. Yeah. So, all right. What else? Anything else Bonhoeffer helps us? We touched a little bit on creativity, but I think he was an incredibly mm-hmm. creative. Creative mind. Yeah, a very, very unique problem solver. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are several things. You know, the underground church, really, I thought that was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. But there's also ways, you know, when he was in his first pastorate, yeah. That he, um, they were kind of surprised that he was as successful as he was yeah. in the first pastorate. But a lot of time he spent with the kids too. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just the. I think he he spoke like one time a month, and the other time he was with the children. Mm-hmm. So it's like he never lost sight of who his congregants were. Yeah, you know, and who the important people. Because I believe that. The ones that need our protection are the most important people in yeah. our church. Yeah. So that yes. means the little ones. They cannot yeah. make the decisions. and It's our responsibility yeah. to protect them. He never lost sight of that. Yeah. And who would have imagined? I mean, could you imagine being at your church and saying, we've hired a guy to be our children's director, and he has two PhDs. Yeah. What would the average response be? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Right, because nobody who has two PhDs and is an academic egghead can relate to children, right? Yep. I mean, that's kind of the stereotype. Yep. And yet, look what he does. Well, and, and it even he there's some quotes in there too where he says, "Look, if I can't explain a com- complicated doctrine or theological um, stance to a child, yeah, what good am I?" Yeah. Basically, is what he said. What does it mean? So, yeah, how to explain yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he's creative. Very creative. And he is, uh, um, well, along with that, too, he's personable. I mean, we Very have to remember that, that yeah. he's personable. Uh, when you can grow the youth group the way he did, um, and, and anyone who's spent any time in ministry, and I've spent time in ministry, and I've had youth directors, uh, if, if the youth plug into the director, uh, they're there. Now, there's obviously a danger in that. You have to be careful. But, but you also have to have somebody who the kids will respect and admire. Right. 
who will go to who see who see a certain kind of wisdom there mm-hmm. um, and you know Bonhoeffer is able to do that I you know I I'm, I kind of get the impression now maybe I'm wrong here pitch but you know he goes to Spain mm-hmm. and he starts working with the kids and things work out real well obviously I, I tend to get the impression that Bonhoeffer himself is a little surprised at first by that <laughs> right yeah and not because he doesn't like kids but because He's never grown up in that context. That right. everything he I mean, he's been in academia, yeah. right? And so he starts working with kids. He's probably you know he might have a little fear and trepidation. I would, and yet he finds out he's really good at it. Yeah. So, not great. Yeah. Okay. Well, <sighs> this has been great. This has been so much fun. I have enjoyed this pigeon. I thank you for being here to have the conversation. Oh my goodness, I appreciate the opportunity to do this uh, with you, Alan. We will come back with something else. Yes. I'm talking profiles in theology and and not just doctrine, but how, well, to go from Bonhoeffer, how St. Augustine's life influenced Mm. his beliefs or affirmation. Some great stories. You know, like stories of Bonhoeffer wanting to drive to Texas when he can't drive. (laughs) I mean, there are some good stories throughout the history of the church of these great theologians who helped us think about the faith and yet came to certain things out of their own lived experiences. Uh, Some stories which are just really funny. So (laughs) we'll do profiles in theology coming up at some point. I love that. All right, friends, so stay tuned for that. Okay. Well, this is it. We hope you have enjoyed these 15 sessions. And um, pass them on to your friends. Uh, The more the merrier. So uh, this is Alan Bevere for Faith Seeking Understanding. And uh, the patron saint of Faith Seeking Understanding is Anselm of Canterbury, who said, I do not understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. Keep seeking, my friends. Bye, everyone. Mm